Uh, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, I want to start with a question uh, today. What are you afraid of? At a deep level. I mean, I'm afraid of spiders. Like, I really don't like them. So, I, there's, there's some sort of fear there for me of, of spiders. But I'm talking about deeper fears, I guess, this morning. What are you afraid of at a deep level? Psychologists uh, tell us that fear is one of our core emotions as humans, along with joy, excitement, sadness, disgust, and anger. If you ever watched that Disney movie uh, with all the characters inside the head, brilliant uh, display of kind of core emotions and how they work in our lives. Um, <clears throat> part of my spiritual work over the last several years has been to get in touch with my emotions, to get in touch with how I feel about things, what's going on inside of me at a deep level. I think early on in my life I made a deal with myself that I would ignore my emotions because they were scary. And I didn't see them having much practical value for me. <laughs> I wasn't sure how they were going to help me in my life. And so I thought, you know what, these are just getting in the way. None of this was cognitive or conscious, right? We all make these deals with ourselves. And so I just decided I would ignore them. I would ignore my awareness of these emotions because they seemed to sort of get in my way. And so part of my work over the last several years, spiritual work, emotional work, has been to simply get in touch with these emotions and learn to name them as I feel them, learn to know what they do to me and how they come up in me. And I've found that fear often comes up when I slow down enough to pay attention and meet God in my reality. I'm afraid, I find, of not having what I need to provide for my family, to provide for my community. It shows up for me as a tightening of my jaw and a grinding or a tapping of my teeth. I notice myself doing this and I think, wait, something's going on for me that's not conscious and I need to become conscious of it and I learn to name that. And ultimately for me, and I think this is pretty universal, it boils down to a fear of deprivation and death. A fear of being deprived of what we need, a fear of dying, a fear of losing our life. The deal I made to keep my fear at bay was to keep working, ignore my emotions, keep working, work harder. I put my faith in my ability to work and make good things happen for myself and the people that I love. So again, what are you afraid of? How does the fear of deprivation and death show up for you? What does it feel like in your body? What deals have you made to keep your fear at bay, to manage and control these very deep fears that all of us have as humans? Humans have been feeling fear, the fear of deprivation and death, since there were humans in time immemorial. And we see them in our gospel text this morning as well. But today, friends, we proclaim the good news that Jesus disarms our deepest fears and disrupts the deals that we've made to keep our fear at bay. Jesus protects and provides, so fear has no dominion here. 
There is deliverance and healing available to us, protection and provision today in the Lordship of Jesus. The story we read in our gospel passage is a little bit of a weird story, isn't it? You guys find it weird? I think I'm ringing a little bit. There's a little feedback. I find it weird uh, that Jesus is, uh, yeah, there's pigs, you know, the demons are negotiating with Jesus. It's a weird story. But a little bit of, I think, what's going on here, um, give a little background. Jesus has just calmed the storm for the disciples in the reading, just before this reading. Um, the disciples are terrified and they're amazed and they wonder who this is that they've chosen to follow. He's revealing himself to be more than just a pretty good teacher. Because they would have seen the calming of the storm as a, cos- a kind of cosmic battle with the spiritual forces that control the wind and the waves. A battle that Jesus had won decisively, shockingly, with the power of God. And so then they arrive after this storm, Jesus calms the storm, they arrive in this area opposite Galilee called the region of the Gerasenes, and they meet a man, a man meets them in fact, who lived among the tombs, a man with many demons, and he confronts Jesus. And so part of what's happening here is this cosmic battle is continuing. The same God who controlled the storms and the waters also was thought to control the evil spirits of the underworld. And this man lives among the tombs and is infected with many demons. He embodies the destructive power associated with this capricious God, and it instills fear in all the people of this region. Part of why they have pigs is that pigs are associated with this God, and they were sacrificed to this God, to appease this God, to keep the the power of this capricious God at bay. And this man embodies all that can happen to you if you don't do what's required to keep the fear at bay. And so it seems the deal this community has made to keep their fear at bay was to develop a whole economy around these pigs and to scapegoat this man as an icon of the power of the gods. It's a reminder of what can happen to you if you don't live right. And Jesus walks into this situation, and instead of participating in the appeasement of these gods to keep fear at bay, he continues this cosmic battle that he began at sea. And he directly confronts the spiritual forces of wickedness that are keeping this man and his whole community in the bondage of fear by commanding the demons to come out. And there's a bit of a struggle here. This is part of where the story gets weird. This strange negotiation we don't fully understand. The demons recognize Jesus' authority and power, and they beg not to be sent back to the abyss, which is a name for the watery prison reserved for the punishment of demons. They beg not to be sent back there. The demons, it was thought at the time, they seek out dry places because they drown in the water. They can't handle the water. And they asked to be sent into the nearby pigs instead. Because remember, pigs were associated with this God, and so for the demons it felt like an alternative home for them. This is familiar. Let's go into the pigs. Jesus grants the request. This is part of the weird part of the story. Jesus is like, all right, fine, you can go into the pigs. But notice what happens immediately after. 
there seems to be a, a bit of trickery here because the demon's influence on the pigs causes them to go crazy and run headlong down the steep slope into the water where they drown. So the demons were sent where? To the abyss where they didn't want to go. Jesus wins this cosmic battle with these forces that are keeping this community trapped in fear. And the man's transformation is radical. It's obvious to everyone. There's all kinds of contrasts in this passage that demonstrate the, the radical transformation that happens in this man's life. The demons are gone. He used to be infected with a legion of demons, but now they're gone. He used to be naked, living among the tombs, but now he's clothed and in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus, which is the posture of a disciple of Jesus. He has come back from the dead, as it were. But in this cosmic battle, Jesus has done more than just delivered one man from his torment, as good as that is. Jesus has disrupted this community's entire way of keeping fear at bay. The deals that they have made to manage and control their fear, the economy that grew up around it involving these pigs, um, and, and the sacrificing of this man with demons as a scapegoat, as an icon of this God's power, it's all been ruined. Jesus has ruined <laughs> their way of life in delivering this man from fear, in delivering them in this community from their deepest fears, Jesus has also disrupted their whole way of life, which was organized around keeping these fears at bay. Friends, this is always how it works. You could probably see where I'm going with this. This is, where it works. This is how it works in our lives as well. Because, friends, this is what Jesus does. He disarms our deepest fears, and in doing so, he disrupts the deals we've made to keep those fears at bay. Jesus protects and provides. So fear has no dominion here. There's deliverance and there's healing. There's protection. There's provision today in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? But there's a response required because we're so accustomed to trusting other things to keep those fears at bay, other things besides Jesus. So Jesus has brought this good news of God's deliverance to this whole community, but because it involved the disruption of their familiar way of life, they reject it. They reject it. They become frightened, the text says, and were seized with fear, which is ironic because Jesus has just delivered them from fear. But when you've lived your whole life managing your fear in a certain way, when it's removed, you're confronted with that fear itself that you've been keeping at bay, and you have to either grab for, what the, grab for that old way of life or trust Jesus. You have to grab for the old things or trust Jesus. And it can feel like a really big leap of trust in those moments to trust someone else, to trust Jesus to protect and to provide instead of whatever deal you've made to keep yourself safe. The allure of the familiar is so strong in these, in these kinds of liminal moments, even if it's familiar bondage, familiar misery, familiar dysfunction, familiar pain. Deliverance can seem threatening. 
So in this story, the community rejects their own deliverance. They ask Jesus to leave. It's too much. This authority and this power are too disruptive for our way of life. We don't have the margin or the capacity right now to rethink everything, Jesus. So please get in your boat and take off. Go back to where you came from. There's a whole other sermon about what Jesus does in response. He leaves. But we can't go there. That's a different sermon, like I said. But we also see in this passage faith. We also see faith. The man who's been delivered from such misery, who's been given back his identity and his humanity, he trusts Jesus and wants to follow him as a disciple. Interestingly, though, Jesus says no. You can't be with me in the same way that the twelve and these women are with me. He says, instead, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So his healing then is not just cognitive, psychological, not just physical. His healing is relational. He's been given back to his family. His healing is vocational. He's been given a commission. His healing is social and religious. He's been given back his life. And he's told to go and proclaim and declare how much God has done for him. And so this man in this Gentile region, probably a Gentile, becomes an agent of the ministry of Jesus, an apostle, the first one sent in the book of Luke to be, a good, to be an ambassador of God's good news into Gentile territory. And today we proclaim this good news. Jesus is still at work among us doing the very same work. He's disarming our fears, disarming our deepest fears, and disrupting the deals that we've made to keep those fears at bay. Jesus today is protecting. Jesus today is providing. And so fear has no dominion here. There is deliverance and there's healing. There is protection. There is provision today in the Lordship of Jesus. So I ask again, what are you afraid of? And in those fears, what deals have you made to keep those fears at bay? What habits, what ways of life have you developed that you think will keep you safe? These days, we don't, at least I don't know of any communities around here that sacrifice pigs to appease the gods. Maybe there's a weird neighborhood somewhere in Indy that does this. Thanks. There's, a little, there's, there's some snickering going on. That's good. All right. Trying to tell a joke here. Um, but, uh, of course, our idolatry is alive and well in, uh, in our society and in our lives. Our series during Lent, just to give an example, uh, revealed much about the sacrifices we make to the God of Mammon in order to keep fear at bay. We believe there isn't enough to go around. This is what Mammon tells us. And we believe it a lot of times, don't we? And so, in order to keep the fear of not having enough at bay, we gather and hoard as much as we can. And well, it's too bad for those who don't win at that game, but what can you do? It's just the way life is. It's just the way the world works. There's all kinds of other examples about the way that we as a society organize ourselves. And breaking the power of mammon can feel frightening to us. The implications make me sometimes feel seized with fear as I know they have for you as well in our conversations. But we want to continue to work this out as a community. 
What does it mean for us to resist the God of mammon, to notice what sacrifices we're making to this God in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we think about our neighbors and our community and our friends and our family? But this also shows up in our own lives, right? The deal I made to keep my fear at bay was to keep working, to work harder, to push harder, to ignore emotion. I put my faith in my ability to work, to make good things happen for myself and the people I love. That's, what was, that's what, where I put my trust. That's what was going to keep the fear at bay. And so part of Jesus disrupting my life, part of Jesus delivering me from fear and the deals that I've made to keep fear at bay is simply by feeling it. It's part of how I respond and trust Jesus when I feel this fear, when I notice my teeth tapping or grinding, when I notice my jaws tight. I take a few breaths, I relax, I feel the fear, and I trust Jesus with it. I allow Jesus to disarm that fear by confessing it and once again placing my faith in Him to protect and to provide instead of telling Him to get back in His boat and go back to where He came from. So what fear do you need deliverance from today, friends? What deals have you made to keep your fear at bay? How do you need to welcome the disruptive lordship of Jesus today to disarm your deepest fears? Because Jesus is here today to protect and to provide, and so fear has no dominion here. Let us welcome the deliverance and healing of Jesus today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.